Welcome to another vengeful episode of the You Know Show. We are two geeks who talk about everything. My name is Aaron, and I'm joined by my co-host, co-host and cousin, Landon. Hello, and good day again. Again and again. So last time we were talking about Star Trek The Motion Picture. Today we are continuing our conversation about Star Trek on the big screen with Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. God! Uh, this is one of those sequels that come along and is arguably better than the original in every single way. Landon, uh, I just want to hear some of your overall initial thoughts on Khan's Wrath. I would like to say not arguably. I would be, say definitively better. Definitively better than most Star Trek movies ever. First of all, I think about a couple of things. Well, like one, the ear, the ear. Going right into the ear, that that little that little creature, ah, uh, you know, the, the little eel earwig yeah, thing, ear, earwig, yeah, that thing, always, always, mm. always. Um, but wow, the performance of Con, uh, Con Re, what's his name, Rick Ricardo uh, Montalban, Ricardo, yeah, I can never say his last Montalban, Montalban. He's great. You know, and I think about like in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, when you have uh, Christopher Plummer playing um, General Chang, was it right? Yeah. Or something like that. And he's quoting, you know, it's just this educated, you know, but military tactical genius kind of way. It's so, he's so poetic in how he speaks, his accent, the whole bit. Um, but, you know, the thing that gets me now after watching the the original series and seeing the episode about um you know Khan and and his people um he looks very different right i mean they all look very di- not the dark hair you know he doesn't look like gene simmons he looks like <laughs> he he looks kind of cool with his mane of hair is you know it's it's so yeah, and he's very tina turner yeah very tina turner you know thunderdome and he's got uh he's got this his muscles are strong and he's he aged well those are some impressive pectorals there. Yes. Yes. Like no, people, not boobs, pectorals. Yeah. People people said like speculated when they first saw the movie, they're like, oh, he's gotta be wearing some kind of prosthetic. That can't yeah, be yeah. him. But it's him. Like, dude is built. Um, so like, yeah, uh, this is the big screen sequel to uh it's a it's a direct follow-up, not to the motion picture, but to the original series episode that you just mentioned, Space Seed. Um, that's it it's uh that's the that's the episode that introduced star trek fans to the genetic superhuman khan noonian singh uh we actually discussed that very episode several weeks ago when we covered the original series on the podcast so go back and and listen to that if you want to hear what we thought about space seed uh so landon what do you remember about space seed and its importance to setting up this movie i feel so it's been a little while since i've seen space seed but I feel like it. There was a twist. Like I, there was, wasn't wasn't it wasn't like a bad. They weren't bad per se at the beginning. What wasn't it like that they were that, or at least that it ended out positive. Um, because I do remember they had this big fight and there and Kirk had to convince Khan, um, or something. But I just remember like a Spock fight scene that was really amazing because. I don't think I had seen Spock have super strength until that episode, unless I'm right. missing something. Tell, remind me, remind me how that episode went because I can't remember. Well, it, start, it starts out with uh, with Khan, you know, being 
thought out um, from from his uh, hyperspace or hypersleep or whatever it is um, from the Botany Bay, which is the the ship that he and his people were were exiled from Earth on, right? And you know, put into suspended animation, and so they wake Khan up, and at first he is um, diplomatic, yeah, uh, and but he's also very manipulative. And of course, right, right. Uh, we've got um, I can't remember her name. The she, but she's part of the Enterprise crew, who uh, who falls in love with him, uh, and and of course he manipulates her, and she helps yeah. him out in in trying to take over the ship. Uh, she he he attempts to murder Kirk uh, flat out, um, and so in response to this, Kirk and the Enterprise crew are well in their rights to put con back into hibernation but instead they offered to send his ship the, the botany bay put them on uh this you know uninhabited planet where they can go ahead and build their own society where con right. can once again be the ruler he sees himself to be and he takes this woman from the enterprise that fell in love with him. And she's part of, she's now part of Khan's little society. And, and of course they're, they're left to um, kind of in exile there on this planet, SETI alpha five. Well, the, at the, the ending of the episode has, has our, you know, as Kirk and McCoy and, and Spock, I think, I think it's the three of them kind of discussing it'll be interesting to to see what happens, you know, come back in several years to find out what's happened to this little seed that we planted on, on SETI Alpha 5. Which they never um, did. <laughs> no, they never went back and checked on. Um, so here we are. It's been 15 years since Khan and his people were marooned on this planet. And, and, and the planet was not supposed been going to be well. fine. Yeah, and the planet was supposed to be fine. Like there yeah, wasn't oh, yeah. supposed to be it was, anything wrong with the planet. Right, there was no intelligent life on it. Um, it was it was supposed to be this lush, uh, you know, habitable world, and right. they they should have been capable of building their own little society there. Sure, it would have been a pre-industrial society, right? But a society nonetheless. And these were very. This was a group of genetically enhanced individuals, so they're all super intelligent, super strong. They would have had. They should have had no problem building their own homes there. Yeah, um, yeah. But a natural disaster occurred, causing the entire planet's climate to shift. Uh, what was it? SETI Alpha 6 exploded? Six Is that exploded what Khan explained? And, it up. and it so changed. it shifted their orbit. That's right, yeah. And uh, and so it becomes near and uninhabitable. It's basically just a desert planet. It's a wasteland. It's, it's Tatooine. Uh, yeah. And yeah. so because of this perceived wrong committed against him, Khan plots revenge against Kirk, blaming him for his misery and for the death of his beloved wife. Uh, so, story-wise, is it fair to blame Kirk for all these negatives that happened in the years following Khan's exile? No. No, of course not. It's not It's not logical to blame. It's not fair to blame him. I also think, though, this was a guy who... Now, the reason why they were genetically made the way they were hundreds of years ago or whatever... Was because they were part. Earth was not so peaceful, you know, back then, right? There was like a lot of fighting and all this stuff, and so super soldiers were being created to fight. And it was decided that these super soldiers needed to be put on ice and 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 put elsewhere. 
Um, yeah. So it was getting, a rough time the 1990s. Yeah, yeah, very much so. So it's like you look at all of that happening. He, his mentality is he is what he is, and he's a ruler. He's a king. He's an emperor. You know, he's like an Alexander the Great kind of a person. But then life and circumstance hinder him. So can he just like be okay with the fact that, hey, you know, stuff happens? No, he's got to have as a warrior, he's got to have some somebody to blame for his woes. Yeah, so, he yeah, is, makes sense. It's just not fair. It's stupid. He has he has super intelligence, super strength, and along with that, a super ego. Yeah. Uh, so this film, while punching up the action compared to the previous movie, uh, still manages to explore some important themes uh, like friendship, sacrifice, and aging in the face of feeling irrelevant. And of course, uh, you've got this Ahab-esque nature of Khan's undying thirst for vengeance. Uh, you you feel like expanding on some of these themes for us? Yeah, so I I think like uh, if we picking one of them, not to just jump to the sacrifice, but although it's towards towards the end, I obviously this movie has very it's all about Wrath of Khan, but you almost get an epilogue kind of a situation in this movie that is very distinctly separate from anything happening with the Khan world. You know, Khan has caused something. Khan, you know, has um, fired, you know, on on the ship and mortally wounded the ship, you know, and in in his own situation and putting himself out there, he is actually um, endangered himself because of his vengeance um, in a very Ahab way. Um, but then you get this epilogue with Spock, uh, where Spock sacrifices himself. Uh, and and it's a very touching, memorable one of, if not the most memorable moment of all of the Star Trek original movies I can think of is this scene. Um, so you know, it's almost like you get a little mini movie there. I I think it it really makes a a huge impact on the series and and fan the fan love for Spock because mm. Spock is, I mean, it's this is the debatable part. U.S. U.S. handful of, of fans. Who's your favorite character, Spock or, or you know Kirk? And you will get two two different answers. Like people will have people have different opinions on it. And Spock is cool in who he is, and he's tough and all that. But this really, I mean, this is this is a Spock, a, a Spock moment. How about you? Uh yeah. Um, you know the the looking looking at the uh, these themes uh throughout the movie you you start off it's it's kirk's birthday um oh, at the beginning right. of the movie and and bones kind of gives him a hard time about it and says you know people have birthdays every day why are we treating yours like it's a funeral that's true yeah and uh and what it comes down to is really kirk feels kind of irrelevant he's taken this uh promotion he's become an admiral which has taken him off the bridge of a ship and and Spock later points out your first best destiny is as a commander of a ship. You know, sitting in that captain's chair is is what you are meant to do. Right. But right. you have you have allowed Starfleet to take you away from that and put you behind a desk, and that's not where you belong. Right. Um, and so so a lot of this movie is is Kirk realizing that and realizing that 
he should be behind the, you know, they're sitting in that captain's chair the entire time. It it and and so he gets that opportunity when uh you know everything pops up with the the reliant the ship that Khan takes over and with um the the science station where they're building the Genesis device. Um we're introduced to Kirk's former you know flame and their son David. Yeah. Um it is it's you know it's funny you've got you've got Kirk who basically has this Peter Pan syndrome and doesn't want to grow up but suddenly we're introduced to his grown son right and so it's like Kirk you're an old man now okay it's 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 time to understand that you've got your own responsibilities to deal with and uh yeah it's it's so intriguing to see the way this crew is and and not just kirk but like the entire crew you know these are people who were supposed to be on a five-year mission and then we're supposed to go off on their separate ways that's just that's that's how it should work in the military right you, yeah. you you're not always with the same group group of people right um, right well, well, i don't know how it works but you know that they're on this five-year mission and and people get assigned to different ships all the time Right. So, so and you do you do get that a little bit. You know, Chekhov is gone, and he's part of the Reliant, right? right. But, but at the same time, they all seem to to rubber band back together. I like I, I like the what you're bringing up with that theme, though, because I think it touches on something that anybody who is growing in a career or or doing what they're doing, you're really asking yourself, what are you after? Like, what what is how do you define success or define happiness and what you're in, in your work and your career? Because in the end, I don't know that they fully answer the question, you know, that at, in the end, do you ever feel like in any of the shows, like Kirk all the way up to gener into, into generations, you know, do you feel like he's ever satisfied? Like now's the time to, you know, hang it up, you know, even when he's in the dream of generations, Right. You know, Picard's telling him, he's like, you're living a dream, man. You're acting like this is what you want, but this isn't what you really want. You know right. what I mean? And yeah. it's very par it parallels to this thing with him and Spock, you know, kind of talking about it, you know, really. It's it's like when you think about, um, oh, gosh, have you ever seen that movie, The Intern, with um, yeah. Robert yeah. De Niro and Hathaway? Yeah. yeah. Uh, in the beginning of that, when he's doing his, his video uh, resume, he mentions uh, somebody, a musician. I can't remember who he's quoting, but he says, uh, a, mu a musician never quits making music as long as the music is in them. And and then you know, he uses that to say, I've still got a lot of music in me, which just means he's he's got he's got, you know, time left. He wants to be able to be productive right. and and do something useful with his time. And right. and so you can apply that here with with Kirk with well really with the rest of the crew you know they've got music left in them they've they've got something left to do and and Kirk in particular is not one to slow down he's not one to let age get in the way of you know his his desire to not only explore the galaxy but be that hero that right. you know the galaxy sometimes needs Right, and, right, um, and so it's it something about that is very um, attractive to him. Right, uh, you know it's why it's why we see he never settled down with uh, Carol Marcus. 
right uh you know and raised their son together he was off saving the galaxy right. over and over again because that's that is who he is who what he his is. destiny is right and right. um yeah, it's it's and it's you don't really see it happening with anybody else. Like it's not Spock is who Spock is, right? Or even even you look at like Scotty, you know, or Bones. It's like it's like yeah, retirement. You, you don't you don't see them sitting here saying, "Oh, I've got to work a transporter," or "I've got to be the doctor." I mean, even in the motion picture, you know, Bones is like, "Why in the world am I back here?" You know what I mean? He but, hates being in space anyway. Yeah, but but you find uh, with with Kirk, it's very different. There's this there's this drive that pulls him him into it, and Khan Khan tries to in a very manipulative way, um, even tries to make Kirk into something that he's he's not. Almost like he they're they're a nemesis, you know. And although I I do consider Khan to be a nemesis, you know, for for Kirk as as a great villain. What Khan considers him to be is not who he is, and yet they both have similar drives. It's just one is a drive for good, and one is a drive for self. You know, mm-hmm. so um, it that 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 little man versus man versus self that Kirk's going through, but then also that man versus man uh, with Khan is is a very interesting dynamic. Yeah. Uh, so when it comes to the cast, we do, of course, have the entire crew of the Enterprise back in front of the camera. Uh, we've got Shatner playing Kirk again. He's an admiral. We mentioned that. Um, he's no longer in the captain's chair. Uh, and it just doesn't feel like a Star Trek movie at this point without Kirk in command. Uh, Spock is the captain of the Enterprise. He's working with a crew of mostly trainees, right. uh, including newcomer Lieutenant Savick, played by Kirstie Alley. This is her first film role. Um, so it's crazy you're like why didn't you stay why don't you stay you know i thought she did fine in the role i thought she did yeah, good i'm not i'm not sure what happened uh her character shows up again uh in the next two movies but she's played by another actress right uh let's talk a little bit about the uh kirk spock mccoy trio and and how they interact and play off of each other um you know they've all got their own strengths and it, it seems like they're bouncing off each other constantly First of all, you know, you, you think just like Bones just is constantly incredulous at Spock, but Spock is almost like an older sibling, you know, who just, who's still bantering back. Spock is not emotionless, first of all. He is okay. very much, he is just, he's sarcastic an incredible amount, you know, and so, which is bred out of emotion. So it's funny, it's so funny to watch him him say things and then Spock will always just raise that eyebrow, you know, <laughs> at, any, at any given time. Um, Fascinating. And I think, I think it's too, it's funny too, how Kirk just likes to watch the banter between the two. He's just yeah. like, I'm just going to let you two go. <laughs> I just expect to pull out do. some popcorn and just watch them do them go. No, please, it's like, please. It's like please. throwing a bone between two dogs and just let them go at it. <laughs> it's it's so funny i think about my sister and i growing up and my sister was very eloquent and you know we'd be we'd argue about something i'd say all these you know things to her and she's i'm not going to dignify that with a response and i'm just like yeah well your face isn't going to dignify something you know (laughs) but but she was very much this the spock-esque you know one it's just just like please you know (laughs) I'm like, I really like the scene uh, where they're 
going over the like they for the first time they look up what the Genesis device is, the the Genesis project. Yeah. Um and so you've got the three of them in that room and they're discussing really the the philosophical the meaning of it. behind right. yeah the the ethics the moral yeah. dilemma of we we have this device that is meant for creation right but could easily be twisted and used to destroy an entire world right um it and that's it's so it's so such a great interaction between the three of them i think it really is because when you think about it bones is hardcore about just being careful and thoughtful about those things, about the rightness of that. And you have, um, you know, obviously just from an academic standpoint or just, you know, fascination standpoint, you have stock, uh, a Spock, but then Jim, I think he's always there. He's, it's almost like he's in the middle of listening to these two voices and weighing in on it, but always from more of a discovery standpoint, he has an interest and and how things are, but also tempered. They really are like the peril, the the left and right side of his shoulder on on any of these issues. Always, yeah. I love that about their interactions. Yeah. Uh, we can't, of course, go without mentioning Ricardo Montalban's impeccable performance as Khan. You see what their peck impeccable. <laughs> uh, he never has a scene with Shatner face to face, which is hard to believe. Uh, like they never play. Off each other. Right. It's always on screen, right. uh, but they both play it so perfectly as if they are really bantering back and forth as old enemies. Right. Um, they both know how to chew up the scenery. Like it's yeah. it's incredible. Like both of them are just killing it. Um, what are your thoughts on Khan as played by Ricardo Montalban? I cannot imagine it being anyone else. And although I love. Benedict Cumberbatch, there's no, he didn't have a chance. Oh, no. Like, in in the darkness. Like, I'm just telling you, like, this performance was fantastic. One of the things, too, is you think about how Kirk is always, or Shatner is always joked on now, just about, you know, we've traveled back in time. You know what I mean? He's just that way. But, you know, in these movies, he's not really that far with it. It's always exaggerated. But he definitely has a way that he talks where he pauses and he's this way you know yeah he's got that cadence you know uh ricardo mocktabon has um is similar a way that he speaks and you know what he means you know what he means it's very deliberate i've done this and you know what you have done you know it's just he's it's so and it's so soft and yet intense yeah, they both. I think you're just and and raptured. And when they speak, you cannot like not listen. You know, right. unbelievable performance. Probably, in my opinion, the best actor of all of the original. Uh, all of them. You know, Shatner would be second best to that. I just think he Khan's performance was whoa crazy. Yeah, awesome. yeah. I love. I the scene I love the most from him is. Um, he's, you know, he's commanding the Reliant and, and his secondhand man there is, he's like reporting back that, uh, the enterprise has not raised their shields. He's, he's all like, of course we are one big happy fleet. Yeah. He's just like, yeah, Liz. It's like, yeah, no, it's, it's pretty good. Is this, this was the, this is the start of Kirk having his famous fire, you know, 
move right yeah. when he when yeah. he's doing the final torpedoes you know and this yeah. is like something you can expect as much as you can expect kirk shouldn't be in the seat but somehow finds himself in the seat in every movie this is also a theme where you know you have a way of him fire you know <laughs> that's that's pretty fun mm. all right so real quick i gotta ask you this yeah them using Chekhov as like the uh because of the earwig thing and his mind control and all that. Yeah. I thought that was like, come on. He's always been the sweet. He's like the Will from Next Generation. He's like, you know, Will. How could you how can you take how can you take a little check off there? Which of course, you know, the man is, you know, old older by then, but at the same time, he's always been the little one, you know, the little the little runt. You know, well, you put a little earwig in him. Here's here's the the kicker. Uh, Chekhov didn't appear on the show until the second season, right. and so he wasn't there for Space Seed. How does Khan know him? Oh, oh. good point. Oh, plot hole. Uh, yeah, whoops. yeah. They just they just didn't think about that when they were writing the script. Yeah. Uh, just just one of those little things that fell through. But Ooh, uh, you can. You can you can argue that oh, Chekhov he was part of the crew he just wasn't you know a main cast member yet. You know that's that sounds very much paramount. I mean, it might as well. <laughs> uh, so we we mentioned that uh, the big spoiler in the movie if you haven't seen it is Spock's death scene. Uh, this was a big deal uh, because even though this was the age before the internet. Somehow the plot got leaked that Spock was, Spock was uh, set to die in the movie. What? Um, yeah, yeah, it got it got out that he died not only in the movie but died in the first act. Oh. And so and so when you have that line between Kirk and Spock after the Kobayashi Maru test, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kirk says, "Aren't you dead?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. The simulator was destroyed, and you with it. <laughs> and uh, so. That was that was meant to. They were hoping throw fans off when they got into the movie to see it and be like, yeah. "Oh, oh, it was a fake death. It was just yeah, in yeah. you know he was acting in the Kobayashi Maru." That's pretty smart. Uh, but uh, in in reality, though, Leonard Nimoy made it no secret he was ready to let go of the character. Uh, um, but they also left it open ended, hinting at the possible return, uh, and then enticed him back with the director's chair for for. St- Star Trek three. So uh, we've already talked a little bit about what you think about the death scene. uh, But how do you feel about the way they set it up for the next movie? Yeah. So, you know, I'm assuming, you know, that they had had written out or at least had enough plot points planned for the for the third, the search for Spock, Um, because, you know, you have this scene right before he's about to go into the chamber where he goes up to Bones and he does this thing. He says, remember, right? Mm-hmm. And you see that, and that's very important for the next movie. So obviously that is, and there's really no reason that would ever happen. Um, there's nothing that would explain it other than for it to be for the next movie. So, um, you know, I think this was part of a bigger plan already for him to come back, right? And so there, I, without me knowing that, he was enticed with the director's chair. He he was pulled back into it. The funny thing is about it too is I think about Leonard Nimoy, and although I appreciated him in um, 
let's see, what was he? Of course, he did the voice of one of the bad guys in Transformers, and it wasn't Fringe. Was it Fringe or was it? Um, it might have been Fringe. He was in. He was in another show that he was in that I liked. Um, but other than that, he is just Spock. So for Leonard Nimoy to be done at that, it'd been like, ah, but Spock is such a big part of like the overall lore of Star Trek. I couldn't imagine him not being a part of it. You know, um, I don't even know if the series and then the expansive shows beyond would have been necessarily as successful without having Spock. But yeah. I don't know. What do you think? He's, he's such a key character in the entire timeline, really, right. of of Star Trek. Um, like even even going into today's series with um, with Strange New Worlds, the the actor playing him now, I feel like is fantastic in the role. Absolutely, um, but I feel like it's not just the actor; it's it's the way that the character is written, the way he's portrayed. Uh, he is Spock is so important to Star Trek lore. Yeah. Um, it's it's hard to imagine. Like, I, you know, this was a successful movie. Paramount deemed it successful enough to come back and do a third. Right. Now, if Leonard Nimoy had decided, you know what, no, I'm I'm done with it. I'm I don't want to be Spock anymore. Um, I imagine they would have found a way to carry on. I, they, I don't they could have they very would've. easily done the search for Spock without him. And yeah. we can talk about that, you know, when we get to that movie. But uh yeah, and and we'll have, it'll be speculation, obviously. You know, how how do you do the search for Spock without Spock? Right. Um, but there, you know, I feel like there there are seeds in the storyline that could go either way. Yeah. yeah. Um but uh but yeah. It's it's hard to imagine um, what Star Trek would be following Star Trek Two without Spock in subsequent movies. Yeah. He shows up in the Next Generation a couple of times. He shows up um, in in the the reboot Star Trek reboot. Film. Yeah. Like it, he is he is the catalyst for the reboot movie series, the Kelvin timeline, yeah. and you know it's because of him that we get this offshoot with the the younger versions with chris pine and and zachary right. kinto right. um it's just it's it's he's he's vital yeah he's uh, absolutely vital um yeah i i guess i would say um between that scene and just you know hearing uh ricardo Maltabon just and his uh when he's talking to kurt and all that stuff those are the two things that i think about this movie um the most um, I do think that um, we get when we get to this movie and we go beyond this movie, um, although I know we'll talk about in search for Spock and all, I do feel like this is pretty much a peak, you know, for for the movies and for me at least until I get to Undiscovered Country. So it goes it goes motion picture to Wrath of Khan to just a little bit lower here with um search for spock and then it's really downhill from there at a steep curve until i get to um yeah until i get to undiscovered country voyage home doesn't do it for you i like it it's just it's you know it it was very much to 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 have it come back into our world and all that stuff is just i mean it's a fun it's like one of those fun star trek episodes that's 
or even like a Twilight Zone episode where it's just like, hey, we you know you throw them into a different timeline or one of those next generation episodes where, you know, uh, Picard is fighting Moriarty. You know, it's just a fun, cool, fun episode, but not not necessarily what I would consider epic. That doesn't mean I don't like whales. I like whales. I'm I'm I don't preachy. Just it's just, you know, it's not like Guardians of the Galaxy 3, you know, it's just like brought to you by PETA. You know? <laughs> uh yeah, this one's brought to you by Greenpeace. Greenpeace. Whales. World Wildlife Fund. Um, all right, that's about all the time we have for our Wrath of Khan talk. Landon, do you have any final thoughts before we boldly go away from this episode? No, just watch it if you haven't. It's the best. It's the best. It's the best. Watch it. It's great. It is. It, it really is. It's it's so good. If you're going to watch uh, either of the, the Star Trek movies we've talked about in these last couple of episodes, uh, go with two. Uh, the first one... If you want to watch that one, just get a picture of the Enterprise and and hum the theme song. Yeah. And you're good. And seriously, watch past the earwig part. All right. Just it just it's hard to watch. Close your eyes. But then after it that, better. it does. You'll never forget the earwig part, though, if you watch it, and you haven't seen it. So um, so it's OK if you don't want to see that ever, because you'll never haunt your nightmares. Uh, uh, just want to thank everyone who's out there listening to the podcast or watching us on YouTube. Don't forget to like, subscribe, hit that bell icon so you'll be notified whenever we post new content. And be sure to leave us a comment. Uh, let us know what you thought of this Star Trek sequel. Were you impressed with Khan's impressive pectorals? Because we sure were. Uh, seriously, that dude was <laughs> built like a freaking Mack truck. Uh, anyway, thanks for listening, and have a great whatever it is, wherever you are. Bye-bye.